You guys, we're uh, two months in, eight weeks into a series on Jesus saying what blessed is. We have so many different ideas what blessed is. And many of you on Thursday thank God for all of his blessings. And you probably mentioned all kinds of things and maybe even some difficult things. Because we can understand that Jesus actually gets to define what it means to be fulfilled, what it means to be happy, what it means to be blessed. But the list that he gave was kind of difficult compared to how we look at things in our world. And so I want to get right to it. We are going to Matthew 5. Join me there, please. I'm going to read through it. Next week, we're going to talk again. We're going to finish the whole series again um, on rejoicing. And we're going to talk about rejoicing a bit today. But um, today's blessing that Jesus talks about or that we focus on what he talked about is weird. It's just hard. It just doesn't totally make sense, and that's okay. A lot of these don't fully make sense, and as Zach was pointing out, Jesus actually quoted this psalm that is so amazing and would have been so very well known to his audience, and he was pointing out to them, life is tough. It's painful sometimes. It's not just painful, but a lot of times that's where we focus, right? We, we either focus... I, I'm a football fan and got a chance to go to a game yesterday and had such a blast with my dad and my brothers and got to see John and his brother and so fun. But there's this position in football called the long snapper that nobody pays attention to until he messes up. And then everybody knows who he is. (laughs) And like, what are you doing? I can't believe blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. You shouldn't even be here. You know, I mean, just some really crazy things. And I think sometimes we don't actually focus on God until things start going bad. And then we're like, what are you doing? Why do you do this? And I, he's big enough to handle it. I love that you would actually be talking to him. Job was complaining to God. He whined to God, and he had all kinds of right to be upset, but he was talking to God about it. And there came a point where God rebuked him, and God is good. He's not abusive. So if he's defining life and blessing, he can also define what's good, including things that are bad. And Jesus lays out for his disciples and even the crowd that was willing to listen what it means to be blessed, and he's given them a heads up. He's given them a heads up what it looks like to live for him and what comes out of your life. And so let's do it. Matthew 5, we're going to go 1 through 12. I'll read all of it, and then we'll unpack a few of these things. So here we go. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Please remember, there's two different groups of people, crowd and disciples. Those who were milling around, those who were kind of paying attention, and then those who were following him. And his disciples who were following him came to him. Nice heads up for you. If you haven't been coming to him, please do. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kind of cool, he bookends the blessings with the kingdom of heaven. And he says, blessed are you when others revile you. Not a big word that we use a lot of, but I'll say revile means that they're disgusted with you. They portray you as terrible, as wrong, when they really effectively discount you. Blessed you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You guys, he unpacks this whole idea of living and being blessed and being fulfilled because what Jesus says goes for Christians Christ ones, little Christ. By the way, we're going to look at a passage later on today where it says Christian in the Bible. Only a couple of places does it say that. That was not considered at that time a wonderful thing to be called. It was a mockery. Oh, little Christ. And like Christians struggled. And they do in lots and lots of countries. And starting to even a bit in this country. You've lived in the Pacific Northwest, what, how long? How many of you lived in the Pacific Northwest more than two years? Okay, see, this is the kind of thing that's cool. Everybody raise their hands. It's so great. The Pacific Northwest has been post-Christian for a long time. That doesn't mean there isn't Christian churches all over the place, but as far as, like, what, especially in Oregon and Washington and the western parts of them, not strongly influenced at all of the uh, leadership levels of government by Christians. Now, there's some, praise God, but not very many. But we don't have people go, oh, you're a Christian? Wonderful. That's so good for our community. And Jesus is saying, you're blessed if people treat you wrong on my account. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom if you're poor in spirit, that you recognize you need God more than you need anything else, that you're actually spiritually bankrupt without him. And they list a bunch of those other ones. Please go back and listen or come back next week, and we'll unpack all of those. But one of the things that I wanted to say, and, and thanks for hanging in there with me, Pete, we're going to go to these two words, blessings and rewards. Bless you. I'm going to give you a little heads up. Next week. As we look at rejoicing again, we're going to look at blessings and rewards. They both come from Jesus. He says, what's blessed, what's right, what's good, what will make you happy? And here's what you get as a blessed person. And he lists all these things, you guys. It's so wonderful. But I want to go back to Matthew 5, 10 through 12. I'm going to unpack this a bit with you this morning. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're from a long line of people that have been persecuted. Do you know the guy who was saying it? Do you remember what happened to him? Go ahead. We're in church. Tell me what happened to Jesus. He got crucified. He got mocked. He got his beard pulled out and a bunch of other things. They lied about him. They got people to lie about him. One of his guys sold him, literally. And when they showed up, and maybe you read along with us in our weekly reading, but in John 18, they show up to arrest Jesus, and he says, who are you looking for? He says this to the, the mob. They didn't have pitchforks, but they did have torches. And they showed up with clubs and torches, and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am him. I am. And they fell down. Like these soldiers, these tough guys, they fell down. <laughs> I see it. Like he's helping them. Like, come on. Get back up. Who is it you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. That's me. Then they arrest him. He laid himself out. And they took him. That's who you and I get to follow. But rejoice and be glad? That sounds sadistic. Rejoice and be glad that they mock you? Rejoice and be glad that they persecute you? How many of you like to be persecuted? <laughs> Sames. But... Some of us kind of find an identity in being put off to the side. In sports, in life, a lot of people feel like if they have a chip on their shoulder, they got a little edge. They're able to kind of fight back a little bit, kind of dig deeper. Jesus didn't say, dig deep, find your edge. He says, rejoice, be glad. What? Let me go back to something he said, and we're going to really unpack this more next week. But if you can, join me in John 15. You're going to see that next month a little bit because it's part of his farewell series, if you will. And we're going to be talking about peace to you that comes from him. But check this out in John 15, 18 and 19. Jesus is giving his disciples his parting words. And listen to what he says. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Three times he's talking about hate in there. If the world hates you, remember they hated me before they hated you. In 19 he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I don't know if you remember this from the blessing that we talked about, and some of you weren't here, so it'd be kind of weird for you, but last week, peacemakers are called sons and daughters of God. Family resemblance. Peacemakers look like God. Persecuted ones, for Jesus' sake, look like Jesus. If you can, let's go to 1 Timothy 3, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3. 
Verse 12, listen to how just blatantly they say this. This is well after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Many people have started to be killed for their faith. In 2 Timothy 3.12, Saul, who was, well, excuse me, Paul, who used to be Saul, one of the guys who was killing Christians, has now come to Christ. He's this amazing guy who loves the Lord. But he says something really, really telling for us if we're going to follow Jesus in the world. And remember, he said they hated who first? Him. So if they hate him, they're going to hate his followers, his people. So check it out. 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Huh. One more time. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's a lot to that, but living a godly life in Christ Jesus, not holier than thou, not shoving it down people's throats, not being somebody who's a punk about their faith, but like Jesus and in Jesus, will be persecuted. So be glad. Hmm. Being like Jesus doesn't necessarily mean being liked. You guys, I cannot say this enough, and I'm going to repeat it a few times before we go, but being persecuted for being like Jesus is a blessing. Suffering consequences for being stupid and disobedient isn't persecution. That's just life. You know, people say, gosh, things happen for a reason, and that's beautiful, and it's true. But sometimes things happen for a reason because, well, we're being dumb. My thumb hurts. Why does my thumb hurt so much? Because you keep hitting it with a hammer. Why do people just are so rude to me? I, I don't know. Are you rude to them? Well, but they deserve it. Oh, okay. We get into the justification game, right? Persecution for the sake of Jesus Christ. Being falsely accused and having evil things said about you because of Jesus is different than reaping your consequences. I want that to be super clear. And again, we're going to unpack it so much more right now. We're going to go to 1 Peter. So if you've been in 2 Timothy there with me, 1 Peter is just a few books away. And we're going to go 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Remember, being like Jesus doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be liked. People don't like to be convicted. People don't like to be reminded. People don't like to have somebody else in charge. I will say this as you're getting to First Peter. I noticed something as a dad, and most importantly, I noticed it as a young human being before I was a dad, which wasn't a lot of my life, but it was, it was a chunk. And then afterwards... After we had our baby, we were 14 and 15, and I did not want to be treated like a kid. 
until I had to be responsible for something. And then I was like, I'm just a kid. Anybody else notice that in their own lives? Don't be pointing at your kids right now or your grandkids. I'm just a kid. Yeah, you're just a kid when you have to pay consequences. You're not a kid when you want to be able to do your thing. And so, again, there's a difference between being persecuted for doing the right thing and looking like Jesus, like standing up in a world that does not love the Lord. And paying consequences for being mean, mean-spirited, judgmental, crazy difficult to get along with. And so with that, let's go to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and learn some things. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. This is a shout-out to the end times when Jesus comes back, but his glory is revealed through people who suffer like him and because of him. Verse 14, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. What name are we talking about? The name of Jesus. Christ one. Christian. I don't really love the title Christian anymore because there's a lot of different things and a lot of different people that are called Christian that don't really look too much like Jesus. But I actually love Jesus and I want to be known like him. By him, I should say. Verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I'm not, I'm just going to be very, very vulnerable with you. I'm not super um, encouraged always by the man that I'm about to quote. But he's also not perfect, just like I'm not perfect. But he's an amazing Bible teacher. I haven't always thought that his attitude and his spirit was gentle and gracious. But he's been right in some significant ways. And his name is Pastor John MacArthur. He has a ministry called Grace to You, and he really does make a big deal out of the grace of God. He just sometimes isn't always so gracious. But he does not chintz. He does not cut back on who Jesus is, and I love that about him. 
he has a Bible commentary. And in there, he looked at 1 Peter 4.12, and he unpacked four attitudes that were necessary for Christ-like suffering. And I think we could learn from it. So the first attitude that's necessary is expect it. (laughs) Don't be surprised, he says in verse 12, like something coming out of the blue to you. You're going to be persecuted. You remember, I know that we've done this before, and I'm not going to make you sing it, but Mama said there'd be days like this. There'd be days like this, Mama said. I know in your head, you're Mama said, Mama said. Good job. Well, Jesus said there would be days like this. They're going to persecute you. There's going to come a point where they think they're doing a service to God to put you in prison, to put you in jail, to torture you, to even murder you. One of the greatest disciples ever, a guy that wrote over, what, a third of the New Testament? Killed Christians before Jesus said, what are you doing? You're persecuting me when you persecute these people. (gasps) And he repented. And he was blinded for a while. And he had a struggle, and his name was Paul. And he persecuted people very, very quickly. He didn't just persecute people. He persecuted Christians. And Jesus said it was going to happen, and it did quickly. And then you get into the second and the third centuries of the church, and they were getting absolutely terrorized. I'm here to tell you that it's still happening today, and it's coming our way, church. We live in a time where you stand up for Jesus and you're immediately called by some, not by all, let's not overstate it, but by many, bigot, judgmental, hateful. Because why? Some of it's because of how we're acting. Some of it's because we look like Jesus and that's convicting. And that can be really, really difficult to deal with because you're like, I didn't do anything wrong. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. No, literally, he did nothing wrong. You? Eh, Let's be honest. I'm not mad at people looking like Christ and being persecuted like I used to be. I'm more mad for people being jerks about their faith than shocked that they're being marginalized and put in a box. And then they double down on being hateful towards people. Come on now, friend. That, you think that's going to lead anybody to Jesus? You know what I'll do? I'll just be a jerk. And that'll woo them into the kingdom. But Jesus is saying way back there in John 15 and then in Matthew, they're going to persecute you. Peter, his loudmouth disciple, writing many, many years after Jesus died, rose and ascended. Expect it. It's coming. You're going to be persecuted. So the first attitude, expect it. Please don't be shocked by it. I know what I'll do. I'll move to Montana. 
And you praise God. If God has called you to do that, please do it. But if you're just trying to avoid what he said is coming, it's going to come to Montana too. <laughs> Idaho. Wyoming. Look, don't push it. <laughs> don't be surprised. The second attitude is to rejoice in it. I'm going to give you so much more about that next week, so I just want to say, look, he says rejoice in it. Like celebrate that they look at you and they think, oh, my goodness, they look like Jesus. (laughs) Or they scream at you or they put you in a box or Thanksgiving's tough because you shine for Christ and people think you're a weirdo. And that's the good side of persecution. The bad side is like, oh, we just don't really talk to her too much. She's Jesus freaky. She's really, really nice, but careful, she's going to try to lead you to the Lord and repentance. Rejoice in it, he says. I love it. There's a bunch in this. I'm going to reread it. Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It's easy to rejoice when things are going good. Amen? It's hard to rejoice when they're suffering. Let's practice it. And the first one has to come back around expect it. So rejoice in it. Again, like I said, I'll give you a bunch more about that next week. The third attitude that's necessary to suffer like Christ is to evaluate its cause. I spent quite a bit of time already on that, but I want to read for you again the passage. And Pete, if you want to find 1 Peter 4, 15 through 18, wonderful. If not, I'll just read it really quick. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name. For it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I do believe that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But if you're set free and you're saved, you are no longer identified as, oh, I'm just a sinner. No, you're a sinner saved by grace. But there's a ton of people that aren't. And what's going to happen for them? Why don't you and I live in such a way that they will try to malign us and they will put us in prison and they will call us bigots and they will do all these things and then they have to look at our lives and go, wait a minute, she wasn't that way. She actually was more like Jesus. Do you know how many people who are martyrs actually pray for their murderers? Do you know how many people have come to the Lord because of that? Not enough, but some. But right here, evaluate why you're being oppressed, pushed back against. Is it because you're being a jerk? But I'm right. You know, you can be right in a wrong way. It does not mean, and this is hard. I mean, we, we sit together... Every Sunday we get together, and there's a number of you that are warriors, men and women, 
even kids, they just, they really know how to fight. But this right here, this evaluating why you and I might be suffering, please make sure you're suffering because you look like Jesus. Not because you're opposed to everything. My friend said one time, there's a lot of different things he said, but he was complaining about some things. And I said, hey, man, are you willing to die on this hill? He goes, this and every other one. Tough to talk to. And I loved him. He's my brother in Christ. But I'm like, man, you're kind of a jerk. I've been a jerk. I've been judgmental. I've come out in the beginning of a conversation telling somebody just how wrong they were. Oh, but Jesus loves you. What? People have a hard time hearing that. Jesus loves you? But they can see it. Why am I suffering? Is it because I'm dumb and disobedient, mean-spirited and judgmental? Or is it because I look like Christ? Some people think dumb, mean-spirited, judgmental is because you look like Christ. That's their issue. But if you are coming off just condemning people, not pointing them to the good news of Jesus, not suffering like Jesus, not pointing them to the Lord. If I'm lifted up, he said, I'll draw men unto me. He's talking about the kind of death he was going to have. If I'm lifted up, I'll draw men to me. Point people to Jesus. So you evaluate its causes. And then the final thing is entrust it to God. Verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. Whoo, did you guys miss that the first time? Suffer according to God's will. Is it God's will that we would suffer? One more time, church. Is it God's will that we would suffer? Yeah, not for nothing, but for Jesus, for his kingdom, for the good news, for pointing people to get out of condemnation that will last forever. We don't want you to stay there. We want you to feel this pain, this agony, this sin, sickness, and you're like, oh, wait, I'm poor in spirit now. I need the Lord. Woo, repentance. And they, they come to the Lord. Wonderful. But it's God's will, and he's going to use the suffering of his people to point others to forever in Jesus. So entrust your souls to a faithful creator while you're doing good. Jesus will be the one that lifts the heads of his people. There will be suffering, and he said there will be days like this. But he also said, again, in his farewell messages, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've got you. We're going to win this thing together in Christ. And I don't think any of us are going to be laughing at those who are suffering. So expect it, rejoice in it, evaluate its cause, and entrust it to God when you're suffering. So how can you move towards Jesus? Some of you need to flat out confess that you don't even follow him. You just, like, 
are hearing him for the first time maybe today where it makes some sense. And that would have to be the Lord because I don't know how this message would do that for you. But God is wooing people all the time. So if you're hearing him today and you're like, gosh, I need the Lord, then confess it. Confess that he's the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved and then repent. Like walk with him and walk towards him. No longer the crowd but the disciple. The next thing is when you're being persecuted, understand, are you being persecuted because you've been being mean or you've been sinning? Because that's not really persecution. That's consequences. But if you're not and you're struggling and you're suffering because you follow Jesus, entrust yourself to him. Focus back on him. Keep pointing to him. Gosh, there's his guys, right? Got beat for preaching the gospel shortly after he resurrected and ascended into heaven. And they got beat up. And they came out rejoicing because they were thought worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. I have a long ways to go to move towards Jesus in that way. But maybe that's a step for you to move towards Jesus where you celebrate when people mock you when they say bad things about you again i'm going to talk a lot a lot more about that next week but this is one for us to move towards him today you celebrate that you're worthy to suffer for his name you get to be like him and great is your reward in heaven you know what your reward in heaven is You're here, church. Come on now. Amen. I heard your sweet voice. Jesus. Do you know where you can have Jesus also? That's right. Right now. Move towards him. You want more of him. You point people to him. You repent when you blow it because, oh, friend, you're going to blow it. Turn back to him over and over again. Well, I just feel so hypocritical. It's way more hypocritical if you don't receive grace that you know you can have. (laughs) Just receive it. Don't be like, all right, see you next week. I'm going to go do my thing. I come back on Sunday and I repent. Uh Oh, no. Pray for quick repentance. The final way I think that we can move towards Jesus today, and you're going to hear this a little bit in the Live It Out video, is to pray for those who are being persecuted. Worldwide and countywide and countrywide and churchwide. There are people that literally, because of decorations and all that, and a deep conviction in their heart, they get distracted, and they're like, I think we're kind of going the whole pagan route with Christmas, and we got to be careful. Instead of being mad at them, try and learn. Is there something in us that just unwillingly does pagan things? And like a brother or sister points it out in love, and you're like, shut up, judgmental. This is the holiest days of the year. Or maybe you just need to be convicted a little bit and maybe change your view a little bit and focus more on Jesus. I think that would work for all of us, right? So let's pray. I'm going to get you out the door. I'm only five minutes longer than ish. Father, I want to thank you so much for this morning. 
Lord, it is like so cold, and I am just thinking of people that are living under bridges and out in the woods. And as Christians, we've been given a lot of resources, so help us to know how to help people and to point them to the good news. But also give them blankets or water or something just to, to be able to show them, Lord, that we don't just judge them. What are you homeless for? But we want to actually help in ministries that are doing really good things to bless people. God, your church has been under attack for thousands of years, and you promised that that would happen, and indeed it has been. And there's people right now that have been suffering and are probably imprisoned, and I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 or so people are killed every day because they're Christians. We pray for their families and their friends. We pray for their churches we pray for their communities we pray for their fellowships to be strong and to rejoice in how awesome you are not as weird fakers but as people who know that this ain't all there is help us to have that attitude and i pray for my friends and family that are just sitting here today lord just so many different things going on in their lives would you speak to them in ways that bring a peace that passes understanding brings a rest brings a sleep brings a joy to know that they're loved and held by you. God, for those of us who are in you, our names are written in your palm, and so may that be enough for us when we're wondering why we're struggling and suffering. May remember that you said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. May we not hate back. May we love in a way that can only be explained as you. We want to look like you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.